Recorded live in Balcata, Western Australia, the hoon capital of the world, this is Talking Power. Gap is what happens uh, when you hold to the floor and crush the man next to you. There's space in between your back bumper and your front bumper. We, uh, in the South, we refer to it as the Gap Band. Well, I think, you know, Formula One is for grown-ups. Okay, welcome to the Talking Power podcast. We are up to episode 27. I am Nick DeCembri. And I am Gonzo. How are you, Simon? <laughs> good, mate, good. Tired. Tired, yeah. Yeah, it's been yeah. A big, big weekends. We've just had the Easter weekend. Yeah, it's just a newborn child mm. that's oh, tiring. Okay. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah, I don't think um, I could ever appreciate how tiring it is and yeah. how little they sleep. And how they sleep at inappropriate times and are awake in inappropriate times. But um, I've got to tell you, you know, my brothers all have children. They're grown up. Mm. You know, some are in their 30s now. Um, I don't think there's any way of describing the feeling that you get when your baby wraps its arms mm. around you. It is the most incredible feeling like... You know, I've I've been lucky, had a fortunate life, um, raced door slammer, raced motorbikes, raced off road, mm. done all sorts of things. Um, you know, won several races over the years, um, but nothing compares to yeah. that that hug. It's just incredible, mm. incredible. Um, anyway, I, I uh, we had quite a controversial episode. We did last we had episode. A, yeah, yeah, it was so a bit. I, I just want to clarify. Uh, something that that I said, uh, I guess tongue in cheek. I I, uh, I made reference to um, to uh, HMS, mm. and uh, I think that it came out the way I said it that it sounded like uh, Jeff Chasty and Jamie Chasty wrote the rules for the class. So that's absolutely incorrect, and I, I would never want to take anything away from the achievements that those guys. Um, you know, absolutely incredible effort national records race wins championships etc um so what the reference i was making is is that if you think that you've got a combination that um uh, you know you don't want to run in group three mm. right then you should sit down and write a set of rules and put it to andra as an andra member which you you know should be if you're racing at the motorplex uh, you have the right to put rule, rule proposals in. Yeah. Uh, Andrew will set an index uh, and a, um, a record, minimum record, and then you can race Group Two, which you can, you know allows you to drive it out the back door and try and run a PB on um, mm. on, on every pass, basically. So um, you know, and and I got to tell you, I think we probably were a little bit harsh on the radial guys, mm. um, you know. I, I did get, you know, obviously there's been a, a couple of comments, you know, on our um, on our page. Yeah, that's correct. Uh, regarding what we said, 
I did get a lot of support from a lot of races, um, some that actually run in the radial series, um, you know, saying that, you know, what, what you guys said was true. But I thought about it on the way here. I thought that really, when you look at the radial movement right now, it's kind of like the Wild Bunch mm. was that evolved into, uh, well, actually involved, evolved into two classes. It evolved into Supercharge Outlaws, yep. right? And Top Door Slammer. Now, what Victor did, and, and this, is, this is something that to any of the radial guys that are listening, you should listen to this clearly and have a good think about this. What Victor did was he had the exhibition deal, which is a lot like what's going on with the Motorplex mm. and the uh, Kenda series. Yeah, the Kenda 660 series. Yep. yep. So they're, they're kind of running that with the Queensland mm. Drag Racing Championship in the same manner that the Motorplex was running the radial deal. Mm. Hey, obviously, we only have the one track here, so they can't you know, travel anywhere. Hopefully, we'll have a couple more tracks coming online in WA. Mm, There is talk of it. Um, So, what Victor did was he took the uh, infancy of Door Slammer, which we we often quote that famous race with uh, John Zappia and Brenda McSweeney in the final there. He took cars that were actually, you know, running in Group 2, bundled them together. They had performance that was close and um, took them on tour around Australia and then he sat down and wrote a set of rules, found a series sponsor, and then sold the whole package to Andra on its merits. And it became a group one, like a mm. heads-up class. And as, you know, it's evolved now into what it is, which is on par, arguably the best shown drag racing uh, yeah, in is. Australia. Yep. Right? Um, so the opportunity is there for the radio guys to do the same thing. Now, Victor was very smart because that very first season that they they ran around Australia, he got, I believe it was John Shelby and Kurt Coons. Yeah, that's correct. Right. And I think... Yeah, I, I think he that, had to, definitely those two. And, yeah, Torkelson may have been in that in the fray as well. Yeah, I think that may have been the next year, mm. right? Or Scotty Cannon was the... Scotty Cannon yeah. came a bit later yeah, on in the okay. piece. But... Yep. but um, by bringing two well-known American racers out here to run the series, mm. right? And and even though that first season, a lot of the cars weren't um, 100% to the rules. They were given 12 months or whatever to sort it out. So I believe that the Gats car had no rear suspension. Mm. Um, John Zapier's car had no rear suspension um, because that was kind of where door slammer guys you know were headed they yeah. were building rigid cars basically with you know funny car with the door slammer body opening mm-hmm. doors and anyway so um i think the opportunity is there for the radial guys to do something like that and and to give the class some credibility because um at at that last kender event or in qualifying for that uh kender event perry bullivant went a 409 at 197 which is pretty stout mm, that's yep. um he would have qualified 29th at the uh, Sweet 16, mm. um, you know, which doesn't sound good because it was a 16-car cutoff, but nonetheless, it's it's in the fray. It yeah. wouldn't have been at the bottom, mm. you know what I mean? He wouldn't, wouldn't have qualified last. So I was probably a little bit harsh on the guys. In comparison, there are classes there. That car... Uh, I, I believe I could be wrong, and you know, if anyone wants to correct me, I'm sure they will. <laughs> I believe that that used to be 
um, Peter Pisidilius's old car. Like I said, I, I could be wrong. And that ran in double, well, it used to be double A API, but now they've put a new class in for double A. So double B APIA, right? Which has got a six and a half pound per cube uh, weight break. And that car at Sydney uh, was in the finals of comp. And I think that was one of the, the few events that he ran it in comp, yeah. right? Um, it didn't. It wasn't running radials back then. It had. It was actually that car was actually an Outlaw Ten Five car, mm-hmm. and it was brought over here as a, a Pro Street car. Yeah. But because the old Pro Street rules uh, specified a standard cam location, and that had a rocket block, which has a raised cam, they would never allow it in there, mm. right? Um, so, just for for those of you that don't understand how group two works most of the classes have uh pounds per cubic inch the import classes have a minimum weight yeah. depending on their engine uh so at 6.5 pounds per cube to put it in perspective uh if you were running say 363 cubes around there you would need to weigh 2360 pounds right now pete was able to go all the way to the finals and ran I'm sure that he ran under the record. I'm sure he ran 660 um, in qualifying or possibly in, in elimination rounds. Uh, the minimum for that class is 685. So there are turbo classes there already. Yeah. Now, if the radial guys you know, feel that, that they've got a potential Group 2 or even Group 1 class, then you know that's what they should be doing. Now, with the Kenda uh, deal, like I said, there was an outstanding performance by... Um, Perry Bullivant, mm. and I believe there was a blown car, so that's a twin turbo car. I believe there was a blown car that also ran in the four rows. Is that is that correct? So the the, the for those of you that don't follow the the Kenda uh, radial riot, so my understanding, and it's very hard to get any sort of information about this, is that they had proposed uh, these classes, so they had the. 660 radial rebels the limited 275 the outlaw 235 the radial renegades the radial rumble and the radial rockets so the way uh this you know set of rules worked is basically the the radial rebels are fairly unlimited uh no alters roadsters dragsters funny cars street rods allowed so basically you could get a door slammer or something like that as long as it's got a 315-15 radial on it uh, it's allowed to run the 275 rules were you know more or less the same except um you know limited uh modifications here's it says here in in the uh in in the uh, rules that uh with stock, stock suspension style cars on a 275-60. Now, you know, style, stock suspension style, I guess, you know, I don't know. I don't know exactly what that means, but they're very sort of loose rules. The 235 is basically the same thing, but on a 235 tyre. Then the radial renegades and radial rumble and uh, are fixed index classes. So 550 half track, like, you know... Um, uh, yeah, to, you know, they only race to 660, so 550 index, which would be like, a, I don't know, 770, somewhere around there, if you ran the quarter. 
and uh, the radial rumble is a 630 index, which would be like a 940, I imagine, somewhere around there. And radial rockets was a motorcycle class. Now, from what I can find of the, the results, which Perry Bullivant uh, won uh, what they're calling the radial combat, it seems that they ran radial combat, radial wars, uh, radial renegade, and radial rumble. So we know that radial rumble and radial renegade are fixed index uh, classes, kind of like super gas. Well, basically, uh, super gas, I guess. Um, the radial wars i'm not sure what that is i'm assuming that they were undersubscribed in the 275 and 235 categories and they basically threw them together um and i'm assuming that that radial rebels is radial combat or it's a mixture of those three classes um, so i guess they're trying to to get something um happening there's some standout performance and unfortunately this is the problem that you've got you know when you're trying to get this some you know something like this off the ground you've got one set of cars at the pointy end of the field that are um you know excelling like perry Bullivant and um i'm not sure who the other uh, uh car was i think if you go to the drag news lee ryan sorry i apologize for nick uh, Sorry it, to all the Craig Ryans out there. Yeah, it's in the four <laughs> it O's. Was, it was Lee and, Ryan. And kind of, you know, there's not really much else sort of going on there. Uh, there are some standouts though, right? Um, so I had a quick look today just so I could uh, know what I was talking about, right? So we, we could draw some comparisons. So Over East, uh, a car running out of... Dan Danilo performance. It's a VL Commodore on a two seven five. It's gone seven sixty one one eighty one, which is uh, you know pretty stout considering it's a three liter. And uh, we um, uh, we've also got another car out of Queensland that I, I struggled to find any information on, but it's running in the 770s on a 235. Mm. You know, so there's some quick radial cars in this country. Yep. Uh, the thing is having enough cars to be able to fill all the classes. Yep. That's where I see, you know, and, and be competitive, you know what I mean? Like not have two, three seconds between a top qualifier and a bottom qualifier. So that's where I see the problem. Maybe it's going to change. I mean, there is some tough cars being built in Sydney. Um, but, you know, we just have to wait and see. Now, I'd just like to make the point too. X275, the actual name X275, belongs to John Sears, who was the founder of the X275. The rules for X275 are phenomenal. It is ridiculous how many pages of rules there are. Um, it truly going down to details like if you're running this particular brand of turbo in this series you have to you know add yeah. an extra 50 or you can lose 50 or if you've got a sheet metal intake over a cast manifold if your valve angle is you know factory or not mm. it, incredible set of rules right now the standouts in the US um, this is obviously eighth mile uh, are the Broader Brothers, right, yep. with their um, 
their Mustang. Now, they have run turbo combos, nitrous combos, and their latest deals are blown combos. So prolific has this been that the decision has been made to ban the combo. Right mm. Now, in Australia, under the current rules, so the rules have been updated since we posted our video, yep. right? We're still allowed to run a 1071 blower, so mm-hmm. we're in the clear. Yep. <laughs> right? We're allowed to do some crazy modifications now too, but anyway. Um, but we're still keeping it to the original rules because that was the deal. Uh, so, uh, under the American rules now, um, this car was restricted to an 871, right? It's a small block, I believe. I believe it's a standard deck height uh, deal. It's got a, currently got to weigh 2750, right? The blower on this car is a very special blower. It was built by Chuck Ford, Mm. specifically for these guys. Now, for those of you who don't know who Chuck Ford is, uh, many, many years ago, a merchant banker by the name of Mike Ashley, um, you know, came into ProMod and he had prolific dominance. Mm. His crew chief was Chuck Ford. Now, Chuck Ford actually designed a lot of the changes that happened to the Hemi cylinder heads over the last few generations. Yeah. So what he did was he got a Hemi head, he modified it how he wanted, and then he went around to see the guys who were making the heads and said, oh, can you make this up? Yeah. You know, like with drawings or whatever. And they basically stole this technology, which pissed Mike Ashley off mm. to no end. So what Mike Ashley did was he set him up, Chuck Ford, with this machine shop, yep. right? And Chuck Ford, you know, makes all this really cool stuff. Mike Ashley went on to run Nitro Funny Car, yep. right? But Chuck Ford's continued developing pro mod stuff. And one of the things that he develops is superchargers. Now, for those of you that, uh, you know, know a little bit about superchargers, in America, they're restricted to a 1471 mm. on the um, on the blown combos, right? A Roots 1471. Uh, it's a high helix retro, etc., and they're restricted to 16% overdrive, I believe, at the moment. They did allow 20, but they, they went into the 60s and mm. the turbo guys got nervous. I don't know. NHRA yeah. restricted it anyway. So, the way it works is, and I only found this out a couple of days ago. I was talking to one of my friends in the US and he was telling me the deal. I had heard rumors that you lease the blowers. So, back when, you know, I, w- I was getting right into drag racing, there was the lease program had just come out with the pro stock engine. So you'd pay X amount of hundreds of thousands of dollars, if not millions of dollars for the season. And you got to the racetrack and your engine was in a crate. You fitted it to the car, you ran it, and then you put it back in the crate and they, they took it back to service it. And then at the next race, your engine would be there. Well, in pro mod, they do that with the blowers. Right? Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So apparently, it, for 10 races, it's about $200,000 to lease a blower. Wow. <laughs> right? Okay. So our main man, Stevie Fast, he has managed to somehow... So that the for those of you that don't know, the main blower suppliers are Al, Al Billis, uh, uh, Troy Critchley, mm. ex-Australian Troy Critchley, um, Chuck Ford, yep. right? And um, I think there's, I think there's one more that I've missed there, but uh, Stevie has managed to buy two of these superchargers. Mm-hmm. How much do you reckon? Well, you told me, so I'm tainted. <laughs> so I couldn't believe it. That was a question for the audience, yeah. right? $450,000. Uh, 
is what my buddy in the US told me that Stevie Fast paid for two fourteen seventy ones. Now, you know, whether it's true or not, I mean, I think that is a phenomenal amount yeah. of money. And if anyone's in the market for a 1471 High Helix Retro, I've got one at work. I'll, I'll sell it to you for a bargain basement, $6,500, right? So, so um, I, I guess the technology is in building these things lighter, making the cases stiffer, uh, the entry, the way the air, you know, because they, they, there's a, there is a definite... Uh, relationship between that entry, yep. uh, the exit, and the overdrive, and they have little drop-ins that you know for different overdrives. Yeah, apparently, okay. I'm yep. not, this is what I've been told. So, um, can you imagine how much the Broader Brothers 871 <laughs> would cost? Yeah, from Chuck Ford. <laughs> I like it. Scares me to think about it. You know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so um, uh, now the, the thing is, you know, do do we think that it's fair or unfair? Um, that they got banned. They went 435, 164. Um, the argument was that, you know, it was way quicker than everyone else. But their argument, and I agree with their argument, is that they're only a hundredth of a second quicker in the back half. Mm. And if we're going to talk about horsepower, we've got to talk about the back half. Back half, that's right? correct. Okay, so if that's the case then these guys are just smarter than everyone else in the front half, mm. right? Should they be penalised? Mm. So, you know, at this point in time, they have been. There's some talk about they're going to throw some weight on the car. Uh, it is a unique combination. There is apparently there's three of these um, blown combos, the EFI root supercharged deals running in yep. the X275. But the thing is, these set of rules that John Sears has developed... They are very, very, uh, you know, intricate rules. And it, it really, I mean, these cars are pretty standard and they're limited to a single turbo. There's all these limitations on them. Mm. Um, so when you consider the performances, and just, just for the record, as far as Outlaw 275 goes, right? So there's still a set of rules, but they're, they're more lax than the X275. Manny Bajinga is the um, uh, the record holder, I believe. Mm. Still holds a quarter mile record at six forty eight with a single ninety eight mil, right? So, you know, I think that that what these guys need to do is they need to get together and they either got to say, well, we're going to persist with these classes, uh, but we're going to come up with some sort of rule structure, yeah, um, or maybe just have one class. And and you know, hopefully they and that gets prescribed enough that you'll have your eight cars, yeah, um, and be able to you know make it a, 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 like door slammer. Mm, you know, I mean yeah. the thing that stopped door slammer. You know, we sometimes get over twenty cars showing up to qualify, and it's still only an eight car field yeah. because you need to have a strong, you know, field to be able to have the cream at the top. Mm. And and uh, the um, the Sweet 16 yeah. is, is no different to that, where yeah. there was 38, 38 cars, yeah, yeah. right? And, uh, you know, only the top 16 mm. get to race. And the spread from number one spot to number 16 is uh, 1.4 tenths. Here's something, here's a little interesting fact as well. 
uh, Jeff Sitton, as you remember, qualified number one for Lights Out 9. Lights Out 9 was on the 28th of Feb or 27th of Feb. The Sweet 16 was only a month later, so four weeks later. He wouldn't have qualified with that. With, with his number one spot, he would not have qualified in the 16th. He wouldn't he, have made the cut. Mm. Right, from number one. But... He did make the cut. He did make the cut, yeah. But this is the thing. What were the weather conditions? Okay, I can answer that as well. So the run where Mark, Mickey, the, the run we'll probably never forget, the 362. Yeah, so let's, let's, just, let's just start there. For those of you that don't know, mm. the, the radio world got turned upside down. Um, if it wasn't, you know, enough that Mark, Mickey, um, who's, who owns the car again, Nick? Um, Jason Carter. Jason Carter's, driving Jason Carter's car that he tunes. Mm. And Mark, Mickey's from M&M Transmissions, arguably the best Turbo 400 trans guys in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, the Fred from Pro Trans uh, sells a lot of their stuff over here. I've used some of their components, and uh, it's really nice stuff. Really, you can see that a racer is um, is building the stuff because yeah. just the way he's thought about things, like the ceiling rings wearing, and you know, metal sleeves and so on. Um, so he tunes it. He does the work on the car, and it's mm-hmm. got one of his transmissions and converters in it. So the 362 was prolific but the mile an hour that he ran earlier on 221 mile an hour so he basically had i think it was 12 mile an hour Mm, on um on uh his nearest Mm. uh well no actually looking at this 216 yeah, that's from, Dwayne Mills, was it? Yeah, Dwayne... Oh, no, Daniel Farris, the yeah. twin turbo. So that's... Uh, that's six mile an hour. Mm. Still prolific. Yeah. Prolific. Yeah. And um, not a Hemi, as you would expect, a um, conventional-style-headed mm. big-block Chev. Yeah. Uh, in a Chevy Malibu, which would arguably be the most unaerodynamic car... Like in the league of the XY. It is. It's got a very square front end. I think it's the first car that children learn to draw. Yeah, (laughs) it is. It is. Just to answer your question, the 62 was run at 100 feet corrected. Above. Above. above, 100 feet above. So it was unseasonably cool there still, um, even though they're heading into, they're they're in spring, but it was still quite cool. But yeah, it was a hundred feet corrected. So above. we had two two turbo cars at the um, mm-hmm. the top Number end. Yep, that's correct. Yep. Uh, and then uh, our man Stevie Fast. Yeah. So the right. two KDR cars were next. So Jeff Sitton and Steve Jackson. Yeah. Blowing. Then a nitrous car. Jamie Hancock did really well. So a sixty-eight. For, sorry, was it? A, yeah, sixty-eight from Jamie Hancock. And that's a, a, nitrous. a nitrous car. Yeah, yep. a nitrous. Uh, Firebird. Then we had Dwayne Mills in the Turbo uh, Camaro. He would go through to the final. Anyway, that's just the the top six there, basically. Of so we had a pretty good spread, but so the the just to put it in perspective, uh, you would have to go down to seventh spot to see a car that was running in the three seventies. That's correct. Yeah. 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 <laughs> So the 60s, there was the old benchmark, and it got smashed to pieces, basically. We had three go into the 60s in the first round of qualifying. 
So it was a look. I mean, it was a pay per view deal. I didn't end up subscribing because it was on at inconvenient times in the morning. So I didn't end up didn't end up getting it. For those of you that are interested, Competition Plus have a summary of the race on their YouTube channel, so you can go back there and see all the, um, basically all of round one, all of round two, round three, and the finals as well, in, in all the races. So, so yeah, Mark Mickey hmm. uh, took out the race. He did. He did. Uh, yeah. The $101,000, 101,000 reasons. Hmm. Do you know <laughs> how that was paid? It was paid in 10 cent pieces no nah, five thousand and fifty twenty dollar bills in a clear container <laughs> god that sounds like something donald long would do yep that's uh, what he did so so uh, just to put some comparison on this right uh these the blown cars are sea rotors if mm. you didn't know that and 125 or 127 over that's the overdrive so two point or 2.27 times engine speed mm. is what the supercharger's um, turning at. So um, uh, the door slammers run a, um, a, a D-rotor, which mm. is a smaller uh, supercharger, and they're limited to 106 over, so 2.06 times the crank speed. So it's spinning quite a lot slower. Now, the 400 Thunder event was held at Adelaide, mm. Right, and um, it is it is interesting to compare the times. Right, so big tire, um, slightly heavier, I believe. Yeah, 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 and uh, a little bit less overdrive. Uh, so John Zapier went a three seventy nine mm. in the final, and that was low ET. Is it that was, correct? Yeah, yeah. yeah, low ET to defeat. Uh, Paul Mahoyet's uh, 386. Mm. Now, the reason they were running the eighth was because strong wind uh, made it uh, unsafe for them to run the uh, full thousand foot. Yep. So Zap's win over uh, uh, the Moitz team uh, puts him within 24 points now yeah. with two more rounds. Two more rounds, yeah. Yeah, right. Yep. So, so it is a, an interesting comparison of... You know the times three sixty two. Now a lot of people are going to say, you know, well, I mean that's that's incredible for a three one five radial. But you need to understand that the track is prepared specifically for the radial, and the cars are set up specifically for radial racing. So you know it is um, it is a different deal. And there was a post on Facebook by someone. I'm assuming that that was in the Mark Mickey crew, uh, suggesting that they had over 70 pounds boost in, you know, in, now whether it's true or not, I don't know. But mm. I mean, um, a door slammer, a good door slammer with a good blower will make 50 pounds and you need to turn that blower. Yeah. So you're using, uh, I've calculated you use about 800 horsepower to turn the blower. Now, you know, obviously back pressure in the exhaust on the turbo, whatever the deal is, um, would you would imagine would use some horsepower but mm. another 20 pounds boost yeah <laughs> would, yeah would make a bit of a difference so now the big question is with the radial deal i mean you saw how quick they reacted to the border brothers mm. banning their combination like they didn't put weight on them they, they just banned it yeah. right um is that you know what's going to happen now because 221 mile an hour uh, are they going to put weight on the turbo cars? Um, there's a, there's an event, I believe, this weekend 
Because I know there was one last week. In last Radio, week, Radio Revenge, yeah, 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 yep. yeah. But there was no, that didn't really get anywhere close to those sort of numbers, to be honest. And it was a lot of the same cars as well. Okay. I just think the favourable weather conditions really had it going their way, and that the fact that they had nine qualifying sessions as well really enhanced their opportunity to go into the sixties. Now it's interesting to note Steve Jackson wasted no time because he he got gapped. He got gapped. Yeah. He, he had a, a wager with Mark Mickey. That's correct. During yeah. qualifying. I, yeah. I'll let you tell the story. No, yeah. it was a $10,000 bet um, that he's lost. He lost... Unfortunately, he made the bet on the, the run that Mark Mickey did the 62 on. So he got gapped quite significantly. Um, I think Stevie had some dramas with the car as well. But he's gone now and betted him... He's made another wager with Mark Mickey for Wu Stock where he's betting um, $10,000 to $2,000 bet. So if Mark Mickey's to win, he gets $10,000. If Stevie's to win, he's only to pay $2,000. So it'd be interesting to see. I think he's confident that that was just a one-off, but I, I really, I, I think I think Stevie is in a position, I think Stevie's backed himself into a corner where he can't can't be seen as not, not doing these bets. I really do. I don't know, maybe he found something. <laughs> oh, yeah. Anyway, it'll be it'll be interesting to see. I wouldn't have thought that the duck will be changing the rules. He's not that sort of guy. Really, so the, the the thing is though, while the four hundred thunder was being run, mm. is is the same time that uh, Sweet Sixteen was on. Yeah, yeah, that's correct. Yeah, and um, uh, Stevie Fast, I believe he his tuner. Billy Stockland. Is Billy Stockland. And Billy Stockland, I believe, was seen on the start line at Adelaide. <laughs> so, yeah. what happened there? <laughs> well, you have it on good authority. It was in Adelaide. So, that kind of surprises me, to be honest. But well, I guess we're, we're going to see the 400 Thunder uh, footage oh, soon. I mean, if you have it on good authority, it's, it's on good authority. I mean, he was there, obviously, in Adelaide. And I, I guess Paul's obviously paid paying the bills. And maybe Stevie... Hadn't booked him in in sufficient time. I know the Sweet 16, that was done in about June or July last year, that, that, that deal went through. Who knows, maybe maybe um, Paul's booking ahead in advance. Don't know. Guess. Don't know. It was April 1st, just the other day, and I was amazed by the amount of April Fool's Day jokes that were floating about this year. I don't know if you saw any of them come through. It was quite, quite amusing, actually. Um, you know I never get on Facebook, man. No, oh, there was some of them weren't on Facebook. My favourite was. Oh, hang the, on a sec. Where were they then? Oh, the NHRA had this one on their website. Oh. so the NHRA. So just just so I'm clear about this, unless I'm researching for an article, the only thing I get to see is the innards of transmissions oh, yeah. or the baby's formula. <laughs> Fair <laughs> right. enough. There is nothing in between. <laughs> Well, NHRA had a really good one going. They had uh, they it was a proper full media press release with a video speaking with a number of drivers. They were all in on the act that Z Max was going six wide. This crunching noise you can hear in the background is me eating pretzels because I don't get to see these things very often. <laughs> so I actually found that one quite amusing. Uh, that the, the Z Max was going six wide. I thought to myself, how the hell on earth is that going to work? That that would never work in a pink fit, not with a sixteen car field. Anyway, uh, but like two cars go through now. Mm. So you just have three go through. Yeah, but then when you get to the semi, or how, how does the next round go? Well, you've got six. 
Yeah, so, so but it doesn't it doesn't the maths doesn't work for a sixteen car. Maybe field. they're gonna change it to a twenty four. Anyway, it was it was it was a joke. And then after that they had a uh, they relived some of the um some of that's been twenty years that NHRA have been doing April Fool's Day jokes. Were any of them funny? No, not really. <laughs> anyway, I was I was amused by by that one. Anyway, uh, the other one was Aston Martin's entry into the Monster Jam debut in an Aston Martin monster truck. That was quite good. See, I could see that. I reckon if they don't do it, someone's going to do it now because mm. you know what Americans are like. <laughs> so the the Formula One logo changing yeah, back, back to the old, to the old one. one. Yeah, I don't, I don't even think that's funny. That's something <laughs> they need to do. They need to do that. And then, uh, my favourite is this one here. MG announced that their new MG VS SUV would be running on alpaca poo. So that was actually a proper full media press release, that one. I, I was quite amused by that one. See, now if the Green Party had announced that, I'd mm. believe it. Mm. No, no, yeah, we would. But anyway, I was, I was amused by that one. But they could, they could, MG could do that because they use alpaca fur inside for the interior, don't they? <laughs> I think so. <laughs> so... Uh, another one was Honda releasing. Now, actually, Honda actually took to a CRV with an angle grinder and actually released photos of this. They took to one of their CRVs and turned it into a roadster, chopped the roof off, and they actually made this statement saying, purely for sunnier climates and therefore completely useless for the two-day British summer, which traditionally occurs in May. So I thought that was quite good from it's Honda. A bit harsh, a bit harsh. <laughs> was there uh, public backlash in england about that no i don't think so nah. <laughs> and then my favorite well my second favorite i guess mr mad running a 598 at 249 mile an hour now that was quite an elaborate hoax from those guys at um i don't know the name of their cnv now. performance no, no it wasn't them it was there it was a it was a very like they'd even done up the scoreboard with the times on there it was quite an elaborate hoax that one but um yeah no that was that was quite good but that car has gone 666 that's correct yeah yeah that that's no joke yeah, the car's no joke i think so so and and correct me if i'm wrong it has driven around sydney yeah yeah that's correct yep there's footage of it driving across the harbour bridge, harbour bridge yep. uh, and harry's harry's, harry's yep. cafe de wills if you're ever visiting Sydney, I highly recommend you go and check it out, and then you can ring me up and say, why'd you send us there for me? <laughs> but but um, especially if you're into pies, yeah. the pie floaters. If you don't know what a pie floater is, don't worry about it. And Disneyland New Amusement Park opening in Perth. That one, I'm going to put some amusement out of that one as well. So that's definitely not happening. Nah. Oh, damn. That's a joke, that one. What, what about, is Donald Trump building the Twin Towers here? Is that true? That's... No, it's the... Chinese that are doing that as soon as they get it past council as soon as they get it through the city of Sterling <laughs> alright so he's, on, this isn't a joke yeah Kevin Schwantz yes this this let's on to something that's exciting <laughs> crazy <laughs> and amazing Kevin Schwantz who must be a hundred years old now because <laughs> I remember when I was a kid I used to watch yeah him. that's right he, he was, he's yeah. making a return mm. to MotoGP is in the Moto Two series, yeah, yeah, it's excellent. I think it's great news. I think if it attracts, you know, a number of in a bit of interest from outside of its normal demographic or some people that may have left the sport back into it, I, don't, I can't see it being a bad thing. I think they call this a midlife crisis. It could well be. There is another. There is an Australian writer, uh, Troy Bayliss. Mm, I remember him well. 
who I watched a couple of weeks ago uh, racing in the Australian Superbike Championship. Mm-hmm. And I tell you what, he's he made those young guys work for it. Mm. I, I think he ended up coming in second or third. Yeah. Um, but just incredible. He hasn't lost any of the skill. It was like he'd, you know, been riding yeah. the whole time. He's a talented rider, but Troy always was. Oh, yeah. oh and Schwantz? Mm, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, so do we know how old Kevin Schwantz is? 53 years old. 53 years old. Mm. So there's still time for me to go there is. race MotoGP. There is plenty of time for you. <laughs> plenty. So he'll be making his comeback. It's only one race at this stage. It'll be the Grand Prix of America. So that's a bit later on in the year. Their next race is on the next weekend at the Autodrome in Argentina. I cannot wait. I have been hanging out for this season to get cracking. Mm. So good. Formula One. Formula One, I just want to touch on how we, we can talk about Sebastian winning the race all day long, really, but I think the main interest is how Lewis lost the race, and it, it appears as though it was... No, nah, listen, listen, listen. I, I haven't been able to work this out, but can you please explain to me, please mm. explain to me how Daniel Ricciardo got the penalty. Okay. You saw the penalty? No, I didn't. Okay, so he was basically going too fast on a red flag period. But it's not measured in speed. It is measured in time. So his time... Oh, through was, the sectors. Yeah. Yes. His time was too low. He wasn't. He needed to be above a minimum time and was not. Uh, you know, whose fault is that? I mean... You can't blame it on him, surely. Shouldn't the team have been onto this? Shouldn't their statistician been yeah, going, I, I hey, Dan, so. slow down? Yeah, yeah, I would have thought so. He did slow down, but it just wasn't enough. So this is kind of like when you run at the motorplex with no roll cage. Mm. Same sort of thing. you got to sort of, you know, do, do your 60 foot or 330 and then get off. You know, because now they're onto you. If you go too fast to half track, yep. they're like, nah, go home, roll cage. Yeah, okay, yeah. <laughs> Well, yeah, so that's how that's how Daniel got his penalty, basically. Interestingly enough, so the the lead up to the race, we had Lewis, it was the Lewis Hamilton show, it really was. Uh, Valtteri crashed the car heavily in qualifying and started from the rear of the grid. They had to do a gearbox change and a number of other changes in their car. So he started from the rear of the grid, but Lewis was starting from the front and had a a significant lead during the race, but not enough so so um while the race was you know we were leading up to the race Mm. or just after the race channel 44 had a um documentary on him from when he first started in formula one Mm. he was such a nice kid when he started yeah so humble Mm. how did he turn into such an asshole (laughs) i don't know i really don't know he's like a spoiled brat now Yeah. yeah he really took it to a new level at this race I think that you know he was he basically expected to win this race, especially in their lead up. In their such yeah, but strong... when so, so for those of you that don't follow Formula One, it's kind of like playing chess these days, right? So you got your two cars out there, and and if you're in the Mercedes team, the Ferrari team, or the Red Bull team, you kind of got to keep an eye on what the other guys are doing, and you got to sort of hedge your bets. So if they go to pit. You've got to send one of your cars in because if there's no safety car, mm. then 
you're screwed. You're going to be like you're going to miss your opportunity to pit and stay in a, in a competitive position. So what Ferrari's statistician did was he sent Raikkonen in to uh, to pit, and that forced Lewis Hamilton's hand. He had to come in and pit. Vettel stayed out, and then there was a safety car mm. or a virtual safety virtual, car. Yeah. There was. Yeah. Now, when the virtual safety car comes out the lap times slow down so essentially the amount of time that you spend in the pits while they're servicing your vehicle relative to the amount of time it takes to, to go around and do a lap it means that effectively you're you're spending less time in the pits even though you're spending the same amount of time but you're losing less track position mm. and that's what won in the race yeah. straight out yeah yeah it, it um and you know this this really it makes it very difficult to see good racing when it comes down to i mean don't get me wrong i watched it and i was on the edge of my seat mm. particularly in the closing laps cheering daniel on hoping that he was gonna um get raikkonen i mean you know you, you're torn between your love of ferrari yeah and and you, you know you want to see the west australian get up and mm. you know um get a podium at at his home race but uh, you know, it is it is kind of a weird thing when it comes down to these types of decisions, and mm. I don't know. I think um, the good things that I saw is that McLaren's got a race car now. Yeah, yeah, they, they do. They, they, they're on. They're on now. Um, you know, I think the Red Bull uh, deal, particularly. That? Sorry, that's just by the computer sending an email. Um, I think the Red Bull team, particularly uh, Daniel Ricciardo's car, definitely you know competitive. Mm. Uh, real shame it was a four-position um, penalty that he copped. So no, three. Sorry, it was three, three position. Three, yeah. He started yep. in in eighth. Yeah. Mm. Yep. yep. So you know, and and that first turn. They all bunch up. Mm. Like you, you gotta, you gotta be in. If you're in, if you're in the top three, you've sort of got a good chance to get out clean. Yeah. But you know, it is what it is. The the importance of of Valtteri's crash is is underlined in in the race results as well. Not just him finishing eighth, but it was more to the point that he wasn't there yeah. to run. I guess I don't want to use the word blocker. Blocker, but, no, that's but, the word. Yeah. So, so basically, what would normally have happened is that that when Raikkonen went into pit, Bottas would go into mm. pit, right, and and he would be shepherding. Yeah, I guess would be the the word uh, Raikkonen, mm. and then Lewis could wait out, and you know if there was a safety car, mm. and even if there wasn't, he could go in. They would have to basically throw the dice who's going to go in first who's going to you know make the other mm. ones move um but look it was fantastic to yeah. see ferrari win and melbourne received that win so well it was just mm. a sea of red yeah uh you know a lot of ferrari fans there a mm. lot of italians there um a lot of west australians go there, over, a lot of yeah. italian yeah. west australians there so um you know great result uh, would have loved to have seen daniel up there but what are you going to do yeah what are you going to do we'll have to wait till next year, next year there right. is a lot of talk uh about ferrari like um there are so many people putting you know the suggestion out there and this is within the formula one fraternity 
saying, you need to hire this kid. There, there are Ferrari customers, and I don't, I don't, I know, I know of Ferrari customers that heavily fund the Daniel Ricciardo. Well, he probably he doesn't need funding now, but they were heavy backers of Daniel back in the day. Not just his father, but other people as well that are quite well known Western Australians that are Ferrari customers have their names on particular dealerships uh, yeah, <laughs> lists as well and have get uh, offered particular ferrari automobiles when they come on on sale that are heavy supporters of daniel so i'm hoping that we can see that in the next you know yeah I, I mean um he's 29 yeah 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 so it's got to happen it's soon. creeping up on him You're it's right. got to happen yeah. soon you know yeah. um it'd be a shame if he doesn't win mm. a championship because yeah. i tell you what in terms of ability you know you got to hand it to that kid he mm. uh, he can drive yeah yeah certainly can no, no you saw butts there mm. anyway all right we have question time i did a live feed last night asking for questions we've got quite a few and there might be a few more there after check before we before we finish up but anyway now, first question is from Stephen. He asks, "Is the Camry project still happening?" Yeah, yeah, it's Most uh, definitely. It's yeah, hundred um, percent. I have been flat out at work, and I, I kid you not, I don't even know how I'm going to get through the next few weeks. Um, I'm probably going to have to sleep at the workshop, and obviously, we want to do a bit of work on the XY so mm. we can get some more videos up there. Um, but uh, I'm waiting on some uh like i pretty much nutted everything out so where we're at now mm. i've got everything to put the short motor together uh, the rings are filed and so on and so forth um the cylinder heads i found some valves that are going to fit mm -hmm. and um they're around at speed torque uh waiting to get machined we have to we bought some valves that have got the right stem collet location and length and we need to turn the heads down to make them fit in the Camry heads. And then once I've got the heads, you know, the valves in there, um, then I need to, I want to get rid of the uh, shim over bucket set up and go to a solid oh, yeah, bucket right. set up. Yeah. Yeah. So um, you've got to understand that this motor, although it is kind of loosely the same as some other Toyota motors, it's not like you can just go get some, you know, 2J staff for... Mm. You know, even the four, we would have been better off doing the four cylinder, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. Uh, which is crazy, but but yeah, it's still going to happen. And um, you know, we've got some bigger tires for the front, and we'll get it out there. We'll have some fun with it, make some more um, yeah, stupid more videos. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's good fun. So, uh, all right, Joe asks us. I know Joe. Hello, Simon and Nick. I'm just wondering if you could please talk about collecting model cars, but let me know so I can get my girlfriend to listen. As well, she thinks it's for little boys. Yeah, probably would have worded that question a little bit differently, Joe. But they, they, um, uh, the model cars, right? They would have to be very, very rich little boys. Mm. Um, some of the limited edition Bianchi cars mm. have gone through the roof. Yeah. Like they're in the thousands yeah. now. Yeah, that's right. Um, it's funny that you know he should ask this question because. I've got some NHRA mm -hmm. models. A friend of mine, Jason, used to bring him in from the US. He's got a, an incredible collection and he would buy lots. And, you know, if he had double ups, he would then on sell them. And uh, I had a guy come in today and um, he was 
pestering me hmm. about them, you know, because they're just sitting on top of the cupboard. They're not displayed hmm. or anything like that. So, yes, uh, in answer to your question, Joe, unless they are very, very rich little boys, <laughs> very spoilt little boys, no, it's um, it's for grown-ups. And, um, you know, it's, it's a bit of a... It's an interesting one because y- you... You'd like to get them out and yeah. display them, but you also got to realise that the value is in the fact that it's still in the box mm. in pristine condition. Yeah, um, it is. Uh, it is a huge thing worldwide. It's not just uh, in Australia, and it, it branches off into so many different categories. Mm. You got the the people that are specific about the Bianti and the Australian muscle cars. You got the the people that are specific about the you know NHRA and drag mm. racing. Um, I would say that there's rally cars in in there, and and yeah. obviously classic cars. Mm. Um, Stanbridge's used to have a whole wing mm. that was just cars. Still do I think? Not the last time I went there, they did anyway. Probably do, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So no, it's not for little boys. No, I mean just to. I mean Joe knows me, but I I always try and invest in in race winners. So if you look at my collection, I've got most of the Falcon. Bathurst winners from sort of 2000 onwards. Wasn't many of them. Yeah, I was going to say, how many was that? Anyway, not that many, but (laughs) there's more than that. But also, I've also got a Peter Brock VN Group A. That was a Bianti one, that one, and that's I think that's gone up in value. But you've got to like try and pick the model of car as well. Yeah, you know, yeah. The with the, the NHRA a. ones, I've got a couple of Gary Selzies. Oh, yeah. Obviously, yeah. he's retired. And I've got a uh, Eric Medlin. Oh, yeah. He, yeah, um, that'd he be died weird. tragically. Yeah. Um, and uh, I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure I've got a um, uh, uh, Blaine Johnson. Oh yeah, that that'll be worth a bit as you well. You would imagine. Yeah, you would imagine. Yeah. yeah, got a Larry Dixon as well from mm. the heyday. Yeah. Okay. You know, we've lost some real celebrities in um, drag racing. Selzy. Selzy yeah. was a classic. He was great. Uh, is, Dixon was funding his own team. Is he back in there? Is no. He... Well, he's got the ban on at the moment, so he's not not racing. Larry Dixon. Oh yeah, what was that about some comments he made or something? No, no, about the the tech sticker on his two. That's two right, seater. the two seater yeah, tech so sticker. That was a bit harsh. Good to hear off, Larry. Bit harsh. Anyway, um, Michael asks, "Hey guys, who do you think can top the Ikenu Racing recent world record pass? Also, what are your thoughts on ever seeing someone run into the fours quarter mile door car?" Yeah, this is a interesting uh, question, Michael. Um, I um, I think that the potential is there to do it Mm. um the secret is see there's a lot of ways you can develop you know ultimately uh we we got two ends to what's going on here so right so the end that is important is what the g meter says yeah right so you want the g meter to stand up get as high as possible and hold for as long as possible so from from the hit as you're traveling down the track it's it's slowly diminishing but you want to try and keep those g's going okay so at at the front end of the car where the action's happening uh it's all about turning the crankshaft and to do that you need to create the cylinder pressure right so obviously we've got engines that the bottom end can make 10,000 horsepower the top fuel engines are you know making that sort of obviously they have a lot of maintenance Mm. um but they are making that kind of power so i I guess 
the potential is there. It's a matter of keeping the cylinder head on the engine. And I think that some of the new technology that we're using now with um, aluminium bronze ceiling rings and stuff like that, which uh, if you get on the dandy engines, um, watch their videos, they show some of the stuff there, which I'm sure Proline uses the same sort of technology. Um, so it, potentially it's there. Now that you've got guys that are openly admitting to you know, pumping 70 pounds boost into their engines, I don't think it's going to be too long before we start seeing even higher boost levels. And, um, you know, if you make the horsepower, I, I think you can do it. A lot of people um, laughed at me in uh, the, um, the late 90s when I asked why no one had run a 5 in a door slammer. I think the quickest anyone had gone was like a 620 or something mm. like that. They thought it was ridiculous. Um, and now, you know, we're in the 560s consistently. Yeah. So I think it's doable. And, and certainly I'll, I will say this, that um, if I had the time and the money, um, that would be my goal mm. to try and be the first to run a four. And, yeah. and that's where you kind of got to go, well, we're not going to have any rules because nothing I build is going to fit any rules. Mm. So these are going to be, you know, kind of like what we're doing with the XY where we have a self-imposed. Yeah. I think that the thing still needs to resemble a, a car, you know. Uh, but the Air Canoe one, to me, is, is a favourite because it does actually look like a Lexus. It, does, yeah. <laughs> it looks yeah. like it just got driven off the showroom. For those of you that don't know what the Michael might be referring to, it's the Ecanoo's Lexus. It's re just ran a 5.379 at 278 mile an hour in Bahrain it was. If you get a chance, get onto YouTube and you can see the video there. It is amazing. Uh, for those of you that don't really get the significance of that, that is damn close to the top alcohol funny car record, yeah. world record. And I think that that might even be faster. Uh, I thought close. the mile an hour was actually down. They were hoping for more mile an hour, but they had some some issue with the car. I, I really need to... I thought the mile... They were expecting a bit more mile an hour. Yeah, well, the back half numbers, 1764... Mm. From 660 to 1320, that is pretty phenomenal. Mm. I mean, the, to put that in perspective, on a 6.0 run, you, you generally go 4 eight, a half track, so you, you got two seconds in the back half. Mm. This is doing in 1.76 in the back half. So, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah I, I think that the potential is there to do it. Mm. Uh, it's just going to need more boost. Just got to smash that boost in there. Yeah. yeah. Um, so... Uh, uh, yeah, and, and uh, as far as the um, uh, Motec M150, um, the the management systems that we run, like the MSD Power Grid, have got the ability to control timing in each cylinder individually. We actually were one of the first to do that. So traditionally on a supercharged engine, you will run different compression ratios in each cylinder. Nitro in particular, mm. um, you know, that's part of the secret to tuning a nitro engine. And uh, the screw-blown engines stagger from one end to the other, and the roots-blown deals stagger the other way because the outlets for the superchargers that are at opposite ends. The um, yeah. screw blower has it at the back. The roots, like a high helix retro case, has it at the front. And you'll notice that they try and move the blowers back 
They run super mm. long snouts to try and get that distribution a bit better so that they can even the nozzling and even uh, the compression ratios up. So when we um, got the grid approved for use in Top Door Slammer, Britain Baxter actually got it Andrew approved for use in Group 3 and then we pushed to get it approved for, um, for Group 1. Um, that was one of the things that we did. We left the compression ratio the same mm. and just changed the timing in each cylinder. So okay. if we saw that we were detonating a cylinder, and the way we measure that is by how much we spread the bearing. Mm-hmm. Um, now, Shane T, Shane Tuckerberg, um, tunes this car, mm-hmm. and he is a top bloke. If you're ever in the States and he's um, uh, racing or, or crew chiefing, at a meeting, go and have a chat to him because he's one of the most approachable people and he has no secrets. He'll tell you, he'll give you a radial tune-up, like, you know. Um, So what that guy has been able to do is amazing. Mm. But I'll be honest with you, I know what Shane's like. If that car went 5.30, chances are he's already figured out how to run a four. Yeah, right, okay. Because he's just just that kind of guy. Mm. Now, check the video out if you get a chance because it is amazing and amazingly quick. Warren asks, uh, what are the Graham Cowan boys doing now? You know, uh, Warren, I didn't have a chance to find that out today, but I will endeavour to find out in the by the next podcast what they're up to. I, um, I don't think they're doing much. No, no, but I'd, it'd be interesting to know, so we'll, we'll put a call out there. Uh, Frankie doesn't ask a question, and sorry, Frank, I didn't get a chance to get around and get the flag, but I'll get it for the next podcast. My apologies. Stefan asked, and this is not a question, it's more of a statement, but I thought it was a good good, good idea. Just watch part one of the XY build. Choosing a car, you guys might be cash poor, but you certainly have the best scrap pile to find all parts in. Maybe a shop tour show might be the go. Stefan, you, you haven't seen anything yet. You know, my wife, my wife said to me uh, uh, a while back, you need to tell me what you want to sell out of this stuff and uh mate i've got some stuff you know i went for a wander the other day and and i'm not this is not bullshit i'm not making this up i found a rodec aluminium small block block oh really <laughs> underneath a bench and i went oh, yeah, i remember buying that right so because i've been thinking about building a turbo car and you know look i, I kind of don't like doing things twice anyone that knows me knows that generally i'll put it together and unless something catastrophic happens um it'll just you know do what it's got to do the xy was a classic example of that because you know basically put it together i went to the racetrack and um uh ran the numbers mm. i mean that, that car did very few passes to get into the 870s and yeah. the only reason that um I sold the motor out of it is because I needed to pay off my visa card. Mm. So, so um, yeah, I'm not big on doing things twice. So I've been thinking about building this turbo deal and uh, I really would like to build something that, you know, potentially we could take over and race in the US because that seems like yeah. what you do these days to make a bit of a name for yourself. So I found this block and I was like, all right, well, I think that where we're at horsepower-wise nowadays, if I'm going to try and get a small block to live, I'm going to have to hand-make a lot of stuff, right? So so kind of what I'm thinking is that the bottom half, the, the caps to hold the crankshaft in, I'm probably going to try and make something um, to tie all the caps together, like a girdle, but oh, yeah. also the sump. Yeah, okay. If you I'm get good. what I mean. Yep. Anyway, so I... Um, 
I went upstairs to try and find some XY parts, and you would not believe it. I found the set. Now, no one probably... Frank Salvo's probably the only guy that's going to know what I'm talking about, right? But So, the Buick V6 that was in the Commodore, right? Dart um, thought, you know, that cylinder head design works so good. What we should do is copy it and make a set of heads for a small block Chev, which they did, which mm. are known as the Dart Buick heads. Now, these things are rare as rocking horse shit, right? I found a set of virgin oh <laughs> Buick God. cylinder heads and, and wait for it, a single four-barrel intake manifold <laughs> stashed away upstairs, which I don't know. I can't even remember buying them. And I've had one intake and exhaust port developed because yeah. when you buy these heads there's no real port there it's mm. just like a bit of a hole but um yeah maybe we should um maybe just dig out a few of these parts and do a bit of a um a bit of a sort of chat about some of this vintage stuff yeah well that's that's uh stefan's idea and I, I actually like that so yeah stefan watch this space actually there is just a plethora mm. of stuff there that's it's just um mm. I guess, it, you know, 30 years of racing, you end up collecting um, a lot of stuff. No, that's right. No. <laughs> a lot of stuff. Last question we have here. Sorry, it's on my computer because this one's only come through not that long ago. With the drag season finishing up, you got what would you guys like to see in the next season? That's a good question from Alex there. I'd... Uh, okay, so I, 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 can I answer this? Yeah, question. All right, so I haven't been down all this season, right? So I am purely going off what the racers have told me mm. and what the spectators have told me. Now, mm -hmm. uh, being in the industry that I am, right, I deal with most of the racers down there and I've spoken to them over the course of this season um, and I get a lot of... Uh, car enthusiasts coming through the shop to you know get transmissions gearboxes etc and uh, there is a fairly general consensus right and and I'm gonna you know I'm gonna offend a lot of people but I'm just gonna say that this is not what I think this is what the people yeah. think right now just because you don't agree with this right when you're sitting there going oh, I don't agree with that that doesn't mean that that's what the general public uh, you know doesn't think right You'll find that, you know, like when I started racing, I believed that streetcars were it and that if we had a streetcar class and, you know, the people would come. And I was wrong because Top Fuel is going to pack the crowds yeah. way more than anything else. Mm. Um, and Door Slammer would probably be a close second, then maybe Top Bike, then Top Alcohol. I think that that's kind of where we're at. So... We need to get more people down there, yeah. right? So first things first, let's not talk about the format. Let's talk about the advertising, right? We need to go back to the uh, con micro screaming down the microphone, right? And the sound of a blown car doing yeah. a burnout, right? We need to do that. We need to put that on 96, on 94, on 92. Um, we need to have the occasional ad channel 7 etc right um we need to sort out this mess between ihra andra and thunder okay if thunder's going to run this deal let them call it top door slammer um, get rid of the ihra make them all andra tracks again sit down and work it out boys sit down and work it out right because 
right now, all that's happening is Queensland's got their little division. Sydney's like, yeah, you know, it's it's pretty much just the crew, the local crew that are all mates with each other. And then you've got the rest of Australia. So that needs to be sorted out. As far as the format down there, I think that we need to get rid of this uh, door slammer, top alcohol eliminator, and just go back to comp, like top comp, like yep. we used to. I think the indexing system needs to be addressed. There was a system that we used to run at Ravenswood uh, that basically uh, it, it allowed you to be competitive even if you were a little bit slower as long as you kept getting quicker mm -hmm. as the season progressed, right? Because the problem that the guys have with the, the index system that's in there now is that if you don't reset the national record, you've always got a competitive advantage, right? So then they try to go off the track record. And then that discourages you from running fast. Yeah. Right? And, and unless you understand how Group 2 racing works, you're probably thinking, what is he going on about? But you need to make it so that everyone's, you know, got an opportunity. Obviously, if you show up with a car that's a heap of shit and it's slow, then, you know, you're not going to win. Sorry. Um, and even with the biggest handicap, you're still not going to win. Mm. Right? Uh I think Super Street's still working good, right? I was a bit sceptical about the 10-0 cutoff because the 11-0 cutoff made it that you could be at the top end of the field without having a roll cage. But I think there's enough VEs and VFs in yeah. there now that it doesn't really, you know, matter. Um, so I think Super Street's working fine. Um, Super Sedan needs to be combined back with um, Top Sportsman mm. and... You know, because you just haven't got enough cars to spread them over two classes. So get rid of the, the pro whatever door slammer, summer slammer or whatever, yes. whatever they call it. Get rid of that. Put all those cars back into comp, right? Um, super stock is the one that you need to talk about. Okay, so that is the class that needs a bit of work. So um, Andra needs to get involved in this because this isn't just a problem at a Perth Motorplex level. This is a problem at a national level. So the first thing is the radial guys, the, you know, turbo LS guys, the supercharged Coyote guys, the Barra 6 guys. You need to get off your lazy asses and sit down and write rules and submit them to Andra and get these into super stock because... It is cool to see guys go out and run quicker and quicker and quicker, yeah. right? Um, you need to be realistic. If your car's slow comparatively, don't whinge about it. Think about how you can make it go faster. Guys like Errol Quartermain never went, oh, you know, this is, we need to change the class. The index is too hard. They just went, you know what? I'll just figure it out. And they got to the pointy end. Now, they were... When, you know, a bit of a history lesson here, right? When Errol started racing with that 250, D-stroke 250, right? So it was a, a 250 cross flow, mm. right, with a 200 crankshaft in it. In uh, Chris Mills's old HB Tirana, the car was dangerous, right? Sh too short, just all wrong. But nonetheless, um, got that thing into the sevens with that, that 250 mechanically injected, or 200 it was. Yeah. Um, 
mechanically injected. He was up against the Samet brothers. Now, if you're a millennial, you won't know who I'm talking about. But these guys had Nissan Genuine Parts backing. They had a 300ZX, which was a bloody brand new car. Yeah, right? I remember. It was state of the art. Peter Samet is a computer guru. He mm. was the Australian agent for Cygnus Data Loggers, the Cygnus Data Star, which was the data logger to have. They were like 35 grand to buy. Yeah. Right? Um, so when you consider it was really David versus Goliath, and they had built three engines. I dealt with Peter quite a lot over the years. So but, did I. I remember I was you. You threw the data logger. Yeah, that's right. And, that's right. Yeah, I yeah. Spoke with him numerous times. So they had three RB engines, right? And they never got off the first one. Now Peter's not racing anymore because he had a prolific crash. I was actually right there. It happened in front of me. Willowbank Raceway used to have uh, the you know where you get off the track. The concrete wall would like veer off to to the side to the left and then there was a concrete vertical you know the end of the other wall mm. um, and he ran straight into that at oh like you know it was just yeah it was horrific car was destroyed he told me that the g meter measured up to 50 g's Jeez. and it pegged the g meter on impact so he's lucky he's still alive mm. and that's why they you know they quit racing but errol persisted with that motor and chipped away and chipped away and chipped away then got the money bought the ba you know worked developed the whole twin cam package and he has worked so hard the mechanical injection on that car is all handmade by errol Hmm. so you've got to be realistic that you know don't don't turn around and go well you know that index is too hard you know, accept the fact that your car is too slow and you need to develop the car, Yeah. right? And that's what we need to do. We need to get these guys in. We can't make it too easy because then the existing super stock guys that have worked hard to get to where they are. Yeah. Um, and, and the thing is, you've got to realise that with turbo deals, Cassandra in their wisdom have decided to remove the boost limit because it used to be a 40 PSI boost limit. You can effectively just keep feeding boost into these deals. You know what I mean? Which means that you can use the index system to your advantage because you can keep resetting the record. Yeah. One more boost in it, reset the record. More boost, reset the record. So I think that Superstock is definitely a class that needs um, mm. sorting out. Um, and so that's got to be our regular show, mm. right? Then we've got to sit down with Thunder, Andra, whoever, right, and book the big shows for certain times of the year that don't clash with any other events, right? And, and you, know, you laugh, but I don't think it's that hard. I really don't think it's that hard. And if the other organisers don't want to budge, then, you know, move your event. You know what I mean? You need to just go, all right, when, when can we have the Western Nationals when there's nothing else on? You know what I mean? When can we have a fuel show, Right. Most importantly, we need to make sure that people go there because if people go there, it's not going to be that hard to get sponsorship. You yeah. Know? yeah. Now, the only reason why I laugh is because you're, you're, you're stealing my thunder from the next segment. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. Well, we should move on to that segment. So I hope that answers your question. I, I um, you know, I'm 
I think that the streetcar thing and the radial thing and all of that stuff is cool. And you gotta you got to believe me when I say that Nick and I, that's where we started. That's what we used to go to the racetrack to see. But we kind of had our blinders on because, you know, we grew up around here, Valcata, and, you know, that was the thing. You had a, a hot car and you did burnouts here and there and, you know, you used to race each other and, you know, anyway. Delaunay Street. Yeah, Delaunay Street, hang out of Shell Drake and, anyway. <laughs> um, so I, I think it's cool, but it's got to appeal to everyone. Mm. You know what I mean? It's got to be able to pack a crowd. Um, I, we've spoken to the track. For $40,000, you can run an event down there. Mm. So if... If the guys out there that think I'm full of shit and that, you know, radial racing is the future or streetcar racing or whatever. I mean, Poe's done it over, yeah, over in the East he's Coast. Doing it, yeah. He's doing it, right? So his rules are you could have steel roof and quarter panel. It's eighth mile and that's it. And it's, it's 50 grand for the win, right? So the opportunity is there for someone to do something like that over here. Now, if you think about it, right, if radial racing is that big, right? Social media is is your friend in this case because you can market it without spending a cent, right? Um, so I I haven't got time to do it. I've thought about it. I just got too much other things. I got like you know all baby the business boy. commitments, the baby, my wife, talk and power, Nick, <laughs> the XY. I'm a full time job. Um, <laughs> so. Um, but yeah, that's what I would like to see. But anyway, we need to move on to Nick's new segment. The new segment is called On The Limiter. It's where Simon or myself get to vent our frustration on something that's happened. Now, I'll get the ball rolling. This week, I've it's come across... New car, new car show or Auto Expo, I guess, rehashed in, is called the Motor Pavilion. That's going to be on at the Perth Convention and Entertainment Centre on May the 4th, 5th and 6th. That's, they're going to be debuting a whole lot of new cars there. And I think the idea is that if you're in the market for a new car, you can go there, sit in it, have a look at it and, you know, talk to salespeople there. But it's, it's, it's basically an Auto Expo or the old Auto Expo. That's very that's great, and I think that's that's a that's a good idea. It is on the same weekend as the V8 Supercars in Perth at Barbagallo Raceway, which is the old Claremont Motor Show. So, um, so Nick and I had a bit of a discussion about this earlier, and I said to Nick, "You've got to understand that the V8 Supercar uh, market is completely different and disassociated to the Auto Expo." Uh, market and and here's my reasoning you've got motor racing is is like a pyramid mm. right so down the bottom somewhere you've got um i don't know jet boats <laughs> <laughs> sand draggers i don't know um motor car is cool man motor car is towards a pointy end okay <laughs> sorry to all the motor car anyway so so you've got that that the bogan factory you know like where you can go to a race meeting compete and be drunk on the start line that's kind of getting towards the bottom end and then you work your way up so although the people that organize the supercars consider their event to be prestigious and they have their you know vip tent Mm, and they serve caviar and whatever Mm. um 
a majority of the people there are still drinking beer yeah <laughs> and yep. drive hsv commodores yes. right so the reality is that they're catering to the bogan yeah simple as that right whether that bogan is a multi-millionaire um he probably started you know somewhere in belcat or balga or you know mm. thereabouts whereas the motor expo is catering to the Formula One mm. elite yeah. people, the people that are going to buy an Aston Martin uh, or a Ferrari or a Lamborghini um, and the Dreamers, mm. which probably couldn't afford to go to the V8 supercars anyway. So I don't think the two events clash. <laughs> anyway, I don't oh. see them as being clashing, but if you think they are... Oh, and it k- kicks off our new segment on the Limitar. There you go. Well, well I've got... Uh, <laughs> I got something that's grinding my gears. All right, go for it. Um, I don't know if anyone's caught the footage, but um, a, uh, a a middle-aged man uh, on a disability pension, all right, had the living shit belted out of him by the Victorian police. Mm. Um, he's they haven't released his full name; they're just calling him John at this stage. Um, there's some very very. Uh, very incriminating and confronting video uh so the guy had been scared about uh break-ins in the area so he set up some surveillance cameras a couple of years ago and the surveillance cameras captured the whole lot so basically he's been coming off um some medication and um his healthcare uh workers were concerned about his health they hadn't um from what i can understand they hadn't heard from him so Mm. they rang up the police and sent the police there and um he was quite ill and he didn't want to let him in because you know he he felt that there was no need for them to be there they told him that um he uh you know if he didn't let him in and you can see this quite clearly you can see it and hear it in the video Mm. um if he didn't let him in that uh uh, they were going to break the door down, basically. And he said, so, you know, like, if I let you in, what are you going to do? Like, you know. And they told him, no, we just want to have a chat. And they dragged him down onto the ground and started beating him with a baton. Mm. Um, they sprayed him with pepper spray. And then, to add insult to in- injury, one, one of the police officers stands on his head, right? This guy's already sick, right? He's He's got, you know, some issues, some health problems. Okay, so... Then after they did all of that and they realised that this guy's genuinely sick, they're spraying him with a hose, but I'm not talking like, you know, gentle spray to get the uh, pepper spray out of his eyes. Like, I'm talking, you know, the, the squirt, whatever yeah, okay. that, that yeah, setting, the jet, right? Yep. The jet, yeah. Mm. They're spraying him in his eyes with the jet, right, while one of the cops videotapes it and laughing about it. Now, it made me sick to watch it, right? And, and generally... You know, I understand the police have got a job to do, okay? But there was like five or six police officers on this guy mm. and he didn't look like he could hurt anyone, yeah. right? Um, instead of them being stood down, they're still out there on the beat. Mm. You know, I mean, even if the guy swore at the police, mm. okay, which it doesn't sound like it in the video, right? But even if he did, is that threatening to, yeah. you know, require that kind of response from the police? This has got to stop, Right. Yep. Number one, we need to, and this needs to be nationally, internal affairs are a waste of time. Shut the whole system down, bring back the ombudsman, mm. right, and get get like people that that 
just all their job is to investigate the police, not police officers. Yeah. Right? Lawyers. Get lawyers, right? So and give them the power to prosecute. Cause this bullshit that you can break the law to try and uphold the law, it's gotta stop. Mm. It's not on. You can't have the double standard like yeah, that. Yeah. You know? All right. Well we end the the podcast on a on a very hot political hot potato that one so <laughs> political hot potato that's, that's a hot one alright um, go to iTunes Stitcher Podbean oh. SoundCloud Facebook subscribe to our YouTube channel yes before we go mm-hmm. um, there's been a lot of people reaching out asking um, you know if we need anything there's heaps of people I yeah. talk to you about that off air yeah yeah um, I, I think there's going to be some things that, that we're going to need mm-hmm. Um Right now, it's really just a time thing because I'm sort of struggling. Uh, if there's anyone out there that wants to learn how to build automatic transmissions, <laughs> please give me a call at the office. Um, if there's any young kids that listen to the show that you know are looking for uh, you know weekend and after school work, uh, give me a call because I really need a hell of a hand. Because <laughs> yeah. um, you know, and and yeah, as far as um, videos go. Uh, I, I, there's two videos that I want to do for the business. One is the, um, the C4 builds because mm. we we do um, we've got the C4s living over a thousand horsepower now, and um, there's some pretty cool stuff that you know goes on to making them live at that power level. Um, and a turbo 400, uh, you know, we're doing some big big horsepower turbo 400 stuff. The only problem with the turbo 400 stuff is that there is so many variations on what you can do. So you've got the the sort of basic run-of-the-mill, you know, $2,800 uh, ones that we do for 850 horsepower street strip type deal. Um, and then when you get right up the top end where you're using the M&M transmissions, the yeah. Mark Mickey components, mm-hmm. um, for something like what he runs in his car, that's uh, probably 30 yeah, you know, plus thousand dollar transmission. Uh, it's kind of, and the other thing is, when you're building them at that level, you kind of don't really want everyone to see mm. <laughs> what's going on in yeah. them. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. Uh, but yeah, stay tuned because fingers crossed, I'll um, be able to tee it up that I'm putting together some transmissions at the same time as you're available to do some. Uh, Definitely. You know, and we'll do another video like the Power Glide mm. one that was well received. I mm. think. It's like it's over a hundred thousand views or something. Yeah. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Now we also have a couple of new sponsors that have come on board for the XY build. Monster Talk. They've come on board. And yeah. Benzene Detailing. Yeah. Rob. Rob came past um, today actually. Oh, okay. Um, he's looking forward to uh, getting it on the hub dinos. Mm. So, uh, so Rob's, Rob's, and uh, yeah, and there's been uh, some generous offers of uh, assistance in tracking down parts as well from um, the numerous people. Which, yeah, but yeah, the, so. the only the only drama that I've got is because I mean I, I would like to, if it's at all possible, um, take this thing to um, uh, drag challenge. Mm. Uh, would be cool to be able to do that. Now, we, we haven't released the video yet, but we've kind of got everything dummied up at the front of the engine. And um, the amount of room that we've got for a radiator is minimal. 
very, very, very minimal. Mm. So I'm trying to figure out how I'm going to uh, make this work. When when it's on methanol, it's not a problem, but I don't know whether we can do thousands of kilometres um, through the Australian outback. <laughs> I think it was it was problematic just in Drag Challenge alone. The, the ethanol stops, let alone driving across Australia, I, I don't think it would be possible. Yeah, so uh, if anyone's got a counterclockwise um, mag drive uh, slash um, fuel pump extension uh, set up, even a clockwise one, the clockwise one we can run the dizzy setup that I've got on there now, mm. the counterclockwise, I can put a magneto on it. If anyone's got anything like that that they think I can use, so the, the, it's a 90-degree drive that comes off the um, the fuel pump drive, um, let us know. Get in touch because mm. um, uh, I, I, I'm not going to... I haven't got the money to go out and buy one just to see if it's going to fit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? No, so, yep. But if I've got one, I can borrow because mm. what we've got now is we're coming out of the... Um, out of the camshaft, right? And then we've got a, a, a short uh, jack shaft, and then we've got a belt drive that runs a distributor. Mm. And um, we found, uh, uh, well, actually, we, I haven't I haven't dragged it out, but I know where it is. There's an MSD-8. Oh, yeah. um, so that should be enough ignition mm. to um, to run the blown engine. But anyway, we'll get there. I mean, I'm, I'm looking forward to... Um, just hearing it run again. Mm, that'd be could be great. <laughs> Should be fun. So, and the other that brings me to my final point is the video, the XY video. We only came out yesterday at twelve o'clock, and we've had a great response to that. Like that's well over. It's almost getting up to fifteen hundred views, actual views of the video, and the response and the commentary have been quite uplifting, actually. So I must thank everyone that's, you know, for your kind words and the and the the commentary that's gone along with it as well. Um, and yeah, just it's and look- even the, the last podcast, I had a lot of races uh, and spectators um, contact me, even officials, uh, just saying that you know don't worry about any negative feedback. That's how we all feel. We think that what's happened now is that the races are controlling uh, what's going on, and you know you can blame the downturn in the economy all you want. Mm. The reality is that people don't like the show anymore yeah so um and you know i don't want to like i think ray's doing the best job he can but uh if you're constantly being pressured to do things a certain way um getting your balls broken basically is how Mm. the italians would say it um you're going to give in and i think that that's what's happened at this stage so i hope the next season will be interesting to see what happens Mm. i mean you know, like I said, don't get me wrong, I think that, that uh, you know, I had a good think about it on the way here, and I think the radial racing is kind of like the door slammer deal in its infancy. But remember, we've been down this road once before with the 10-5 Outlaw. Yeah, we did, yeah. And that went nowhere. Mm. Went nowhere. Actually, um, you know, ended up being like a complete waste of time for mm. people that invested in it. Um, some people would argue, well, you know, the radial racing's going spastic in the U.S., um, and ten five has died over there. Yeah, I, I'll, I'll go with that. But mm. um, uh, you know, you don't know what's around the corner because I'll tell you now. Um, my mate over there was telling me that uh, the big thing now is there's still roof and quarter panels. 
no rules, run where you're brung, as long as it's got a steel roof and quarter panels, you're in. And he reckons you can get a $10,000 race at least once a month in any state. Yeah, yeah. So, you know. So obviously Poe's picked up with something there and, and running with that. That's fully subscribed, that field, by the way. Yeah, yeah, it was straight away. Mm, yeah. It was was hundred uh, percent. And there are some tough cars. Like uh, there are guys actually building cars specifically for the event. Mm. So the the thing in America is that um, uh, you've got a lot of old pro mod style cars that are competitive nowadays. But in this deal, mm. they are. You know, and they yeah. look cool because they still look like, you know... Road-going cars. Well, yeah, yeah. you know. Uh, Mark Mickey's car is, is yeah, eligible. Yeah, yeah. That's uh, steel roof and quarter panels. Yeah. So get on to the... Actually, if, you, if you're if you not on Facebook, get on to the Facebook and like the Grudge Kings um, page. And each day, Poe is releasing the next cars. So it was one of... I think he's up to number five today or number six of the 32 cars that will be entering. And you get a fair idea of... The cars that are out there. Poe's deal, I mean, you want the info, you just jump on there. It's That's there, right, it's yeah. in your face. So he's very good at marketing. That that makes the big difference between mm. something being successful and something not being successful. Yeah, yeah. So you take Donald Long, he's very good at marketing, mm. right? They spend a lot of time and, and Stevie Fast has been a huge asset to those guys. Yeah. And this is the other thing too. You know, we need to remember that Stevie Fast has been at the pointy end of, of a lot of this, you know, from the 470s right up to, uh, you know, the, the 360s, 60s, yeah. right? He's He's been a leader and he's done it with nitrous combos, with um, uh, centrifugal blown, yeah, yeah. pro-charger deal, uh, roots, mm. um, screw blower. So, you know, that guy there is a bit of a guru, right? He is very, very, very good at shit stirring, mm, right? Yeah. And his background, for those of you that don't know, was grudge racing, mm. right? So, you know, he would call you out. He'd ring you up and say, "Your car's a heap of shit. Um, I'm going to blow your doors off, right? I'll, I'll give, I'll bet five grand to your one grand." You know, mm. kiddies, remember. Stepping stone. <laughs> All right, that's it. I'm done. On that note, we'll tie up. Oh, number six. Six of 32 was your friend, Tony Rigoli, today. That's why I was just trying to remember who number two Yes, was. yes. Yeah, now, there so. you go. There you go. Easy, easy. Uh, 300ZX mm. uh, RB30. Uh, I think I mentioned this last yeah. time. You know what RB stands for? Yeah, Rigoli Brothers. Rigoli Brothers. <laughs> yep. So they have gone 430. They yeah. have gone 4.30 to half-track. It is an eighth-mile deal. If you didn't know, Grudge Kings is an eighth-mile deal. There's that radial Mustang that's, that's, yeah, that's entered. that's pretty cool as well. Um, I don't know, you know, like... Uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see because I, I don't know how many... Um, how many guys... I don't know. I, I would like to sit down and look at that list and see the cars. Oh, he's releasing them day by day. Yeah, so I just don't get the time, Nick. I'll send it. I'll send you a DM. You, yeah, I'm sure you'll next over the next few segments. <laughs> over, sorry, over the next few episodes, we'll have uh, we'll bi- have to get bi- as well. I think. Yeah, for episode. sure, for yep. sure. Yep. All right, everyone. As I said, get get to us on iTunes, Stitcher, Podbean, SoundCloud, Facebook. Go to our YouTube channel. Please subscribe, subscribe, subscribe to our YouTube channel. We can have a crack at this if we get the viewership behind us. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Simon, for coming in. Thanks, Nick. 
Take care. See you on the street. See ya. Talking power, stresses, all characters and events on this podcast, even those based on real people, are entirely fictional. All celebrity voices are impersonated poorly. We do not encourage street racing or the use of turbochargers.